Hello once more, two true freaks. Cobra Commander here, and I have chosen to use your podcast to broadcast a message of doom to my enemies. Attention, Aluma Wallet Corporation of Van Nuys, California. I logged onto your website with the intent of purchasing one, one blue Aluma Wallet to protect my identity from IRC. You billed me $65 and shipped me three Aluma Wallets that I did not want. You will pay for this transgression as we speak. A whole battalion of my finest Cobra Legions are being deployed to your location to level your building and all of your facilities to the ground! No! I don't care how much it costs, Destro! I don't care! They get me 65 bucks! So be forewarned, Aluma Wallet Corporation of Van Nuys, California! This is the Wrath of Cobra! James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands, battle stations! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands, battle stations. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 34. This is the, uh, never sure whether to call this the second half or the B half, the flip side. This is the 1701-D edition of Star Trek Monthly Monday, in which we look at Next Generation and anything else from Next Generation era Star Trek. Oh, by the way, my name is Scott Gardner, and I am joined, as always, by my bestest pal in the whole damn Trekverse, Chris Honeywell. Live long and slobber. <laughs> thought I was gonna thought I was gonna say it, didn't you? Never, did never, 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 never. <laughs> Nobody broke it. <gasps> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So how's it going, Freak? It's going good. You know it's going good. We've been talking for the last two hours. <laughs> say as if we hadn't just wrapped up the last episode. But we can always pretend. We yeah. can. Well, this is good. This is an interesting episode because we've been going chronologically with the unlike our the old school Star Treks, we which we do randomly. We we are doing these ones chronologically, you know, from the first season. Chronologically, I don't have to explain chronologically. If I do, if I do, there's another podcast called the Sesame Street Podcast. <laughs> Go listen to that first, and then come back. Okay, so we, so basically, after I believe it was after Skin of Evil would have come. We'll always have Paris. That's right. And um, that's right. And uh, and usually we do two two episodes per show, but we decided we liked Skin of Evil so much that we did dedicated the whole episode to that. Leaving will always have Paris for the next episode, where we figured we'd do that with conspiracy, and then have a big going away episode for um, the last the last one and then we'd sort of wrap the up the whole zone. season yeah and then we'd wrap up the whole season in that episode and do just that one episode so then instead of doing that we ended up doing Star Trek 5 because we were just down to the wire on the show we were and up it was the clock yeah. and there was a lot of talk about Star Trek 5 on the forums and we just figured it is time so we did it so that put it off another month well here we are we're finally gonna do We'll always have Paris, which I'm sure has people have just been waiting with bated breath to talk <laughs> about and hear us analyze uh, this episode because it's it's funny because we got two episodes in a row here. One probably one of the most sedate Star Treks compared to one of the most action-packed Star Treks of the first season, right? In the context of the first season, so. I guess I guess I'll uh, hand it over to Scott Gardner. He'll tell you the the synopsis of the synopsis of of this one, and so you'll know why we're why everybody's so excited about. We'll always have. <laughs> well, before we get into that, I did have one oh. quick thing I wanted to talk about oh, before sorry. we get into. Yeah, no, 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 that's cool. I, I I don't think I had mentioned this to you beforehand, so that's cool. I just wanted to uh, throw out there real quick that I am not on the second. Or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth book. I am on the sixth book already of Star Trek New Frontier by Peter David. I love this shit. Obviously. Yes, I am officially hooked. This is some good, good, good Star Trek. Guys, if you have not read this, and sometimes I feel like I'm like the last person to the party on these books because I, you know, we, we've had a lot of discussion on, you know, both the forum and like Facebook and stuff where, you know, people had been trying to turn me onto this series for a while. And, you know, it's like I was constantly explaining. I, it's not like I had some sort of aversion to it or something. I just hadn't made it around to it yet. I actually had a lot of the books in my collection. I just hadn't made the time to start reading them. But I'm telling you, as soon as I did, as soon as I got just a couple of pages into that first book, I was hooked. And I'm really, really digging this. And what I like is that each book just continues to build one upon another. 
Um, I'm not going to go into it too much as far as what it's about or whatever. I think people should just check it out on their own. But what I like about this, the captain in this series is just, this is exactly, exactly the type of Star Trek I have been wanting for a long time. You know, we, we joke and we make a lot of... We make a lot of funnies about, you know, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, once in a while, you know, Kirk or Picard just, you know, blew somebody up or, you know, they they get into a situation and they just were like, yeah, screw you. We're not having any of this and just phasered somebody or just flew off and was like, screw you and your stupid problems. We don't care. Calhoun does that in these. Perfect example. And I'm sorry, I don't remember which book it's in now, but it's, it's in one of the earliest books where this guy totally won me over as okay I love this guy was there's a there's a scenario where these there's these refugees something happens to their I don't know their planet or something and the captain Calhoun takes them aboard the ship they're contacted by this other race it's like hey bring them bring them over to our planet we got plenty of room we'd be happy to set them up with a whole new place to live and everything you know, we'll be happy to take them in no problem and Calhoun warns these people, you know, I think there's something fishy going on with these guys, but hey, you know, it's up to you. You know, you do what you want, but I'm just I'm just letting you know I get a funny feeling about these guys. They're like, yeah, whatever. So they beam down to the planet. As soon as they beam down, they're all taken hostage. And the people down there are like, all right, well, now what we want you to do is you need to give us Starfleet technology or we're going to kill all these people. What does Calhoun do? What you know? The one thing I'd always wanted to see a start. I, I, I a don't know what he'll do, but seeing as how your reaction is, he says, "Screw those people." That's exactly <laughs> what he says. They shouldn't he have gone down there. Says, I warned them. That's it. He says, "You know what? Fuck them. Kill them." I warned them. They didn't listen. Do what you want. I don't care. I don't deal with terrorists. You want to kill them? kill them they were warned and they didn't listen oh by the way if you do kill them though we're gonna kill you twice as bad it was awesome it's the star trek i've always wanted to read (laughs) this guy doesn't take shit from anybody and it's really really awesome um but don't don't get the idea that it's nothing but this guy you know just you know, cowboy around. Yeah, yeah. It, it had the story. You know, it's Peter David. I mean, come on. You know, but the stories are very intelligently written. The characters are incredibly real and realistic feeling. Um, the the care. You know, it's the, it's populated by pretty much all new characters, all new crew, with you know a small smattering of people that you know. If you're fairly well versed on, say, like next gen. Then there's a couple familiar characters that are in there. You know, uh, Calhoun's first officer is uh, Commander Shelby from Best of Both Worlds. You know, the blonde-headed uh, Borg expert girl. She's, uh, you know, she's now the first officer in this uh, series. Um, Doctor Salar, who was the Vulcan doctor that we'd see occasionally on the Enterprise in um, in Next Gen. She's the ship's, uh, you know, CMO. Uh, in this series, and like Robin Leffler, who was, uh, uh, I think she's the character that Ashley Judd played, I think, that was like one of Wesley Crusher's girlfriends in an episode or two. Uh, she's in the ship. And then, you know, most everybody else, I think, is original for this series. And, you know, they all have their different, you know, their different things. You know, one guy's, you know, the token weird alien, and then another guy's got his own, you know, so everybody's got their little 
quirks Quirk. and, and different yeah. backstories and things, but they're all very, very, very interesting characters. And I'm really just enjoying where this uh, where this series is going. And uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like as much as I was a fan of Voyager and really enjoyed Voyager, this is more like what Voyager should have been because it is blazing new territory, yet it's still familiar as Star Trek and it's still... Uh, it, it feels familiar, but without just retreading the same old tired ground, whereas Voyager touted itself as that, but in a lot of ways never really worked in that regard. But uh, really, really good stuff. I'm enjoying it very much, and I will continue to report back as I get further and further into the series. But uh, definitely check it out if you want some good quality Star Trek reading, Star Trek New Frontier by Peter David. Damn, I'm enjoying this stuff. So anyway, let's get into the next episode we're going to look at, which is We'll Always Have Paris. Hooray. On the next episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Two to beam directly up to sickbay. A mission to save a dying scientist uncovers a deadly time experiment. Captain, it must be stopped. And reunites the captain with his first love. We need your help. The situation is not good. No, they must save the galaxy from this crippling time distortion. Only one of us is in the correct time continuum. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. And let me get to my synopsis of this from we'll the see. Star Trek. We'll see how <laughs> accurate this one is. Yeah, let's see. All right. Well, this first aired the week of May 2nd, 1988. That's a while ago. All right. While the ship is traveling to Serona 7 for shore leave, a bizarre time loop distortion causes a literal deja vu effect on the Enterprise. Soon after this, the ship receives a distress signal from Dr. Paul Mannheim. He's part of that uh, Mannheim, Mannheim steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> from his uh, science outpost on Vandor 4. They rescue Mannheim and his wife, Janice, who turns out to be an old love of Picard's. Aww. Aww. I thought he just loved sitting around reading books myself, but anyway... But the nonlinear time experiments Mannheim and his now-dead team are, are were conducting not only ended in disaster on Vandor, but were responsible for the disturbance the Enterprise experienced earlier. Those disturbances now threaten to spread and rip open the interdimensional fabric of space. Neat. <laughs> Mannheim himself is dying, which sucks since his body can't deal with the strain of partial interdimensional existence. On top of that, Picard's unresolved feelings for Janice, he stood her up in Paris uh, to ship out with Starfleet 22 years ago, are left hanging by a therapeutic session on the holodeck. Even Dr. Crusher finds herself jealous of Janice. Finally, using Mannheim's directions... Data beams into the Vandor lab to reseal the center of the dimensional breach with a hunk of antimatter. Although he finds himself in three time continuums at once, he sorts it all out and succeeds. Mannheim is instantly cured. Well, it's not convenient. And he and Janice prepare to begin his work again. And this time, thanks to the Parisian holodeck program, Picard gives Janice a proper goodbye. <laughs> well, not a Kirk not, not a Kirk proper right, goodbye. But... <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I always think of as a proper goodbye. 
Um, so what do we got on this one? Well, best episode ever. No, uh, 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 the sad thing is, is I, is, is it's funny because it was so. Not only were we supposed to do this like three months ago, but I watched this one early. I was getting ahead of the game. Well, I was ahead of the game because I watched it for Skin of Evil, and then we decided not to do Skin of Evil. So then I've had like four months to. Fr- so I had to watch like. I, I was going to skim over it, but then, like, as I started watching it, I'm like, I better watch the whole thing because I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, uh, as usual, Troy is utterly fucking useless and annoying in this one. <laughs> and That's you know, my I've been, I've been, well. sa- I've been saying stuff like, uh, you know, but now I'm starting to use the words utterly fucking useless and stuff because it's starting to get to be an old joke of her cornering people at the stressful times to go like I think you have some unresolved feelings here and it's like yeah do you mind if I'm finished taking a shit first you know before we talk about this it's she just <laughs> corners people when they're doing something important and and you know just sort of uselessly harangues them about you know when when they're doing something important all of a sudden she wants to get really like up close and personal and in, in their psyche and you know, I mean, she uh, she does it to uh, Picard. She does it to Beverly in this one. Um, yeah, just, just you know, just picks the worst time, and and then at the same time, doesn't really say anything useful. You know, she just tells them how they're feeling. Well, they're feeling it. You know, yes, I know Troy, and I now I know you know too. So thank you, um, Doctor Mannheim. I love Dr. Mannheim. A, because he reminds us of our mutual, reminds me of our mutual friend, uh, uh, Vargas Pike, Kevin Melvin, sort of. B, because he gets to do a little Van Gelder in this when he's stuck in time and space and like, <laughs> cannot keep and continue, you know, when he's explaining things. But, um. Do you know who he is? Is it like. No, I have no idea who he is. He was Sigmund Freud in uh, Makes sense. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> I Which is really funny because we were just old... talking about Abraham yep. Lincoln in, uh, in Bill and I Ted's know. Excellent Adventure in Star Wars Monthly Monday. Um, <laughs> um, in, in, but I, I think he's a tribute to the movie Solaris, the original... German or German Russian movie Solaris by Andrei German Russian Tarkovsky Tarkovsky um cause he's wearing the same outfit he has that same cheesy beard it, like his beard is like carved they <laughs> the, the, the characters look alike and in that he, there was a sort of it wasn't really a time loop but there was time loop stuff going on with a dead wife who is very much dressed like um um, what's her name? Uh, Picard's ex-girlfriend there, Janice, who's a hottie. She is a hottie mm-hmm. in this in in this one. That this is like one of the, this. She's a hottier, hotter than in the original series when they were all drooling over that woman. That she this this lady was a lot more. You know, there's there's reason for Beverly Crusher to get um get jealous in this one. She's a sweetie, but um. I I think their whole costuming and I think that was all kind of a tribute to that you know it was 
the characters in Solaris were on a far-flung space station and stuff like that. And I like how in a Star Trek manner, you know, he's sort of not the bad guy, but he's like the crazed scientist. He's got his time-space ideas. You know, most of the scientists that went with him are dead. And in the old Star Trek, he would have been a crazy guy, and they would have been like, what happened to the other people? And he's like, oh, a terrible accident, but he really would have blown them up, you know? And this one, at the end, they, they send him off to go do, to keep working on his time experiments. You know, you know, good luck. <laughs> and, and send him off. He almost just ripped all of reality apart, and... And he's just sort of on his own to do it under no supervision, you know. As a matter of fact, they're just sort of like, I don't know, these guys have been out here for 15 years just doing their thing, you know. You'd think, you know, there'd be some sort of space OSHA or something to to make sure that he wasn't, you know, <laughs> exactly. tearing apart the fabric of time and space. But all in all... Yeah, it was kind of you know it was a meh episode. I you know the whole backstory of Picard and and with the woman, it really didn't really add anything to his character. The you know what amused me the most in this whole episode was when they walked into the restaurant in, in Paris on the holodeck for the first time, and there was like the like just stereotype gay Parisian. And when I say gay Parisian, I mean like Liberace gay. He's kind of <laughs> dressed like Liberace, and he's got the, the the super effeminate posture, and he's got like you know sleeves with dangly things on him, and he's playing the penis phone. He's got this thing that's like four dildos stuck into a thing, and he's rubbing them up and down to make the music, while all the while just sort of like smiling at everybody and nodding at everybody walking by, going and rubbing his. It, I was watching that going, oh my god, that's hilarious. Did they do that on purpose, or do I just have a fucking rude mind? <laughs> Maybe a little of both. A little bit of both, yep. But, yeah, if you're, if you're going to watch that episode, keep an eye open for Liberace playing the penis phone in the, the Parisian restaurant. And I like that they did little touches, like when they looked over the Paris skyline, there were a couple shuttles flying around, you know, and stuff like that, but... Meh. 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 Not worth waiting hmm. four months to talk about. Why? Did you love it? You loved it, didn't you? I like this one. I, did, I don't love it. Um, it does drag a bit in the middle, I think. But, uh, well, first of all, probably the biggest note I've got on this one is uh, actually a question for you. Since you, uh, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Since you edit and score the uh, Star Trek Monthly Monday episodes, do you have a copy of California Dreamin'? I imagine I do, and if I don't, I will. Ha- I can have one. All right, because you're going to need it because Kurt. Uh, yeah, Kurt. Picard's girlfriend in this is Michelle Phillips is of Michelle the Mamas and the yes. Papas. I didn't know if you if you realized that and or she's not. She's beautiful, and there's I believe there's porn out of her. Not that anybody's seen, but I believe. Oh back really? In, oh, I believe back in the day they filmed that. There's stories, maybe apocryphal, that. Oh yeah, back in the day she was wild. And doing lots of, did lots of sex and drugs, and probably had sex with everybody in the mamas and the papas, including Mama Cass. Picture Gross. that. And there was probably a ham sandwich involved. I'd, yeah, I was just gonna say I'd rather not. I just ate not long ago. Um, best thing about this episode: no Wesley Crusher in this. None one. at all. None. None at all. 
I uh, was extremely proud of myself that uh, I realized, because I looked it up afterwards to make sure that I had my facts straight, and I did. As they uh, walk in, as Picard walks onto the uh, the Paris holodeck thing for the first time, there was this weird-looking, like, bookcase shelf unit thing in the background. And I was like, hey, wasn't that in Kirk's apartment in Star Trek Two? So I looked it up, and sure enough, it was. Jeez. It was just... It's one of those things that at the time, like when those movies came out, probably looked really, really futuristic. And now you look at it and go, wow, that looks really 70s. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? But uh, I thought that was cool. Um, best line of the entire episode is uh, <laughs> when the part you were talking about, when Troy confronts the captain right at the beginning of the episode, and he just tells her point blank. Please get to the point. Yes. <laughs> I love that. He was like, please get to the point. And then after she goes on her whole thing about, you know, I really think that you need to come to grips with your feelings and touchy-feely, blah, 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 psychobabble bullshit. He just says, if I need you in the future, I'll, you know, I'll come get you or something. Yeah, yeah. Something that it was hysterical. He totally blows Go her off. Go fuck yourself, basically. Yeah, Translation. Yeah. Go. Yeah, exactly. Lucky you're not wearing the universal translator because it would have told you to go fuck yourself. Well, then later in the episode... Wait a minute. Is it this one? No, I'm sorry. It's next episode. Never mind. Never, never mind. It's a note for next episode. Um... But again, she's just as completely worthless in the next episode as she yeah, is. Yeah, that's one. yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, I've got that in my notes too. We can talk about that in detail because yeah, she's truly useless. <laughs> there, there are two great moments in this episode, though. One is the holodeck girl, the the Parisian girl, the blonde girl, the side that, boob girl. Yes, she's <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, I, it's it, and, it, yeah, they they are gorgeous, aren't they, Scott? I yeah. know what I know what Scott was watching. I was watching it thinking, "Oh, here's Scott's part of the show." There's yep. like I have a I have a little program that I had somebody program. It's called Gardener Eyes. And, <laughs> and I've got like two little eyes on my computer screen and they they're programmed to go wherever Scott Gardner's eyes are going when he's watching something, and we can tell right where those <laughs> My gardener eyes honed right in on that one. Damn straight. But that that was, to me, that's the best part of the episode because she is drop-dead gorgeous. There's some nice little moments. I love the moment where he goes and, and first introduces, like he, they're, they're coming up on, and he's like, um, you know, he's going to say, this is Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise, but he says, you know, this is the captain of the Starship. He stops right. himself and says, this is the captain. And Jordy and Data both look at each other and give each other a little look of like, oh, what the fuck is that? He's uh, breaking from his routine. And I I like little moments like that. I, I like mm-hmm. little, just little side character moments like that. And there's a few there's a few nice ones. I mean, usually it's uh, Riker. Riker's the king of like background sideways glances and going, hmm, mm-hmm, oh. And there's, oh, there's actually a, a moment with, going on, yeah. with, with Data when the, when they first notice that there's some history between Picard and her. They right. both look at you know, Riker's got that Riker's got that nookie smirk on his you know the, the <laughs> Kirk nookie smirk going. Ah, the captain and her have done the uh, two back boogie in at, at some point. <laughs> yep. The other moment in this that I really like just. I, I don't know. It's, it's it's a cool little effects moment and a cool little sci-fi moment is uh, when Data splits into the three different yes. time continuums and he's you know he has to figure out which one of them is is in the correct 
moment and all that. And he's like, me, me, it's me. I just like that moment. It's There's something weird about it that I really get a kick out of. But that's pretty much it, you know. I think it's a good episode. It, it could it could have a little more action. It could move a little faster. I think is is the big thing with it. Is it? It's one of the rare episodes where it actually feels like it's a little bit too long, which is odd for episodes that are really only what like forty minutes, They're like forty two you know? minutes or something like that. Yeah. yeah, with all the commercials taken out of them and everything. But even at just that shortened length of forty two minutes, bit, this one feels bit of filler a little bit in it. Long. Yeah, there's a bit of filler going on in it, but. And uh, I, I would have liked to have seen, um, you know, if, if this episode had wound up much closer to how it was originally envisioned by the writers, I think it, it would have been pretty interesting because, like I say, I think it's a pretty good episode as it is. But one thing that, that got cut that they definitely wanted to be part of the original story is that uh, – Picard and Janice, they they were definitely supposed to do the Kirk in this. Oh, because for whatever That's, reason, well, that I was- could, I, I don't think it would have. For one, I don't think Picard has the the Kirk in him to do it. And two, come on, her husband is like. Not you know he's on the border between alive and dead. You know that's not the time to cheat on him. Not with not with that character. Not with her character anyway. You know, right? I mean, that as presented in there, and you know she she still acknowledges their bond between the two of them, and it, that it's a very nice moment at the end where she just like he sets up the big moment. She gives him just enough of the moment for both of them to close it off, and then she's like, "Out of there!" You know, she's right. she's like, "All right, see you later," <laughs> and uh, and sort of cuts him off at it to give him a little bit of his medicine too. I like that. But that's true. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's 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 a very it's a very par for the course first se- season Star Trek of. Story, you know, character story and sort of hard sci-fi story, coupled with it, you know, and and not a sense of like, and not a good guy bad guy story, you know, it's just a sci sci-fi quandary that has to be solved with some with some character development sprinkled on for for flavor, I guess. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got on this one. Like I said, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty decent episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one we're coming to next, ah. I think it's gonna outshine it. I would like yes. to take a break because I've been drinking Rippet Energy Drink, <laughs> and it's ripping its way through my body. And uh, I always like I I always like having a break in between so we can play people's promos and play our own promos and play our self-indulgent little things in between. Return to the far-flung future of 1969 with another thrilling adventure of Commander Scott Gardner and his flying freaks. Scott Gardner and the fire hussies from the center of the earth. On an exploratory flight over the North Pole, Commander Gardner discovers a hole leading to the center of the earth. I have found a hole leading to the center of the Earth. Commander Gardner and his flying freak brigade embark on a mission to the land of the hollow Earth, Hussilvania, ruled by the seductive Queen Popo. 
explosions, robots, giant rocks, tape-clenching excitement. Will the evil queen Popo drain Scott Gardner of his vital essence? You fire hussies will not steal my vital essence. Along for the adventure, Scott Gardner's trusty sidekick, Pablo. Hush, Mr. Gardner. There's only one man with a blimp like that. Space Hitler. Look out! Will Space Hitler capture the secret weapon of the Hustlevanians before Commander Gardner can stop him? Laugh at the hijinks of the drunken ship's cook, Maury Clawhammer. Aw, oh, Jesus Christ, I ain't going in no goddamn hole in the ground. An adventure in 74 15-minute installments. Can your heart take the excitement? Can your mind expand enough to comprehend the storyline? Will you fork over your hard-earned money to see Scott Gardner and the Fire Hussies from the center of the Earth? Filmed in the Manzo Vision. Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. But you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing. Badly. Yes. Well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Aches comics. Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. All right, we are back once again. I'm back, back from the bathroom and feeling lighter and and looser. And um, Scott Gardner's back. He disappeared too. I don't know what he disappeared to do, but it only took five minutes, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, we are here to cover the second installment of Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes, and this is the penultimate episode of now that I finally know what the word penultimate means. It's the penultimate episode of season one of Star Trek The Next Generation Conspiracy. On the next episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Don't trust anyone. Remember that, Jean-Luc. Sabotage strikes the highest ranks of the Starfleet Command. Regular security. Emergency. And threatens the future of the entire Federation. What is that? But do evil parasites hold the key to this deadly conspiracy? He'll be one of us soon. Find out on Star Trek The Next Generation. Conspiracy. And Scott will read the maybe accurate, maybe inaccurate <laughs> synopsis of it. 
these are generally pretty dead on in yeah. the uh, in the Star Trek companion. It's it's the compendium one that uh, takes great liberties. I'm wondering if that's because that book was probably written before all that stuff was before out on the, videotape, so maybe he was like going by memory with some of the synopses yeah, or something. Couldn't check it, or yeah, was yeah. referencing something else that somebody else had written. Yep. It's like ah, fuck it. They can't. They can't uh, fact check this. They'll never know. All right. Anyway, this is a conspiracy. Next to last episode of uh, the first season of Next Gen. This one aired a week of May 9th, nineteen eighty-eight. And the synopsis on this reads: Picard is disturbed when his old <laughs> when his old friend Walker Keel, which I like that name actually, Walker Keel, Texas Ranger. <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminds me of like walk the plank you know well like it's walk, like it's like chuck plank. norris and, and richard keel mixed together that's a oh, badass combination that's a, yeah that's a badass combination that'd be one freaky looking child too when his old friend walker keeled summons him to a secret meeting with two other captains on a deserted planetoid but he warily agrees the subject the trio's suspicion, much like Admiral Quinn's on Relva 7, <laughs> that a conspiracy is spreading within Starfleet. Picard is skeptical until Keel's ship explodes and Data finds a disturbing pattern among command orders. Picard makes a decision. The Enterprise will return to Starfleet Command on Oith to check the suspicions firsthand. Three top admirals, including Quinn, Greet the ship with surprise and invite Picard and Riker down for dinner to discuss their concerns. But something does not feel right. Then all hell breaks loose. The crew discovers that Quinn, aboard the Enterprise for a visit, is controlled by a tiny intelligent parasite whose presence is revealed only by a quill-like protrusion from the host's neck. Picard walks into a trap. Oh, he needed Admiral Akbar. That see? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Picard walks. Oh, you're making me choke on my energy drink. <laughs> Picard walks into a trap by, set by the other two admirals and Remick, Quinn's former aide. I'm going to uh, quantify that with Quinn's former asshole aide. But a fake quill on Riker helps him foil the ambush. Soon the admirals are dead, along with Remick, who housed the mother creature. Quinn is cured and Starfleet saved, but the alien source and purpose remain a mystery. That's a fairly accurate, fairly... Yep. Uh, it sort of left cool. out that, that at the end it was left open that they the aliens had set off a beacon to their race to come come and get it. Right, come yeah. Come and get it. Exactly, yeah, they were sounding the dinner bell at the yeah. end of it, yeah. So what do you think of... Uh, I love this episode. <laughs> I remember first seeing this one and going, holy shit in a handbag, Margaret. <laughs> the, the, you know... What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a mixture of a George Carlin joke and a Cheech and Chong joke. It just slipped out. Okay. <laughs> um... But oh, I love the a. I love I love you know when shit goes you know shit goes wrong on a big scale. And this one is like existential problem for this is a movie story. You know, 
so, you know, Starfleet is getting eaten away from the inside. I love that it, it it's a whole, you know, you had the two characters from the earlier episode and Remick. I mean, this episode explains why at the end of, you know, Remick priority had one of those things in him when he was, you know, a few episodes ago when he showed up and was being a prick. But at the end of it, he was like, I'd really like to serve on the Enterprise someday. You guys are great. And he probably was just trying to get on there so he could plant one of those blue giant blue ticks in somebody's uh I don't know, you think so? Mouth. Yeah, I think he was already I think I think maybe both of them were already uh infected by that time. I think that's why Remick was was such a prick is he was probably like checking out the Enterprise. They probably were going on to the Enterprise to figure out who they were going to infect eventually. You know, it was probably Remick and and him were probably the first two and Remick was going around and going, "Okay, yeah, and they pro- and and they probably went to all the ships, questioned everybody, and, and at the end at the end of the Enterprise, they were like, "All right, we'll get Crusher, because she's a, the the doctor." And, yeah, but uh, Quinn had suspicions. Remember, Qu- Quinn was kind of the one that was trying to end that first episode. He, might he was not, the one that was trying. Yeah, to- well, he might have been. He might have not been. Then he might have been next on Remick's list. But I think Remick was already definitely doing it and then Quinn maybe had one of the one of the parasites you know closer than he suspected you know what I mean right that okay yeah yeah and uh but I like that there's that sort of sort of I mean there is so much I love about I mean this has Michael Barriman the bald-headed freak with the seam down this town his face yeah he played that's the first bullion we ever see on uh, on next gen we'll see a lot more bullions but yeah he's he's actually the prototype you know, bullion in this. and he's on a freak on the le- he's a freak on the level of um um you know well, what's his name the guy who played doc brown um why can't i think of his name it oh uh, chris lloyd chris lloyd yeah he's just a freaky looking freak he's like a shaved down chris lloyd you know, he was in The Hills Have Eyes. He was in right. all those, um, I want to say Twisted Sister videos, but I know I'm wrong on that because I was corrected as to what, it might have been Motley Crue videos. I don't know. He was in, but he's just a freaky looking guy. He was in The Devil's Rejects recently. And so he sort of becomes, I saw him and I'm like, ah, now this he's the lurch of this generation, you know. He's, you know, finally we get to see a freaky character. He's the, you know. The modern version of the the, the actor who played Lurch. It was, I love the lighting in this. There's tons of red, you know, and uh, just a lot of creepy, a creepy beginning. Uh, when uh, la- Data laughs out loud, that's uh, I was like, ooh, I'll bet you that sends shivers up Scott's spine. Yes, <laughs> when when Data did his laugh, his his laugh, and everybody was just like, oh, funny Data. I'm like, no, that was damn creepy. <laughs> and as we said last time, Troy is just useless. You'd think mm-hmm. she'd be able to say, "Captain, I believe these people are under the control of an alien intelligence." You know, she couldn't detect the ticks' consciousness in them. All she can say is her standard: "Somebody's hiding someone." Right. But I don't know who it is or what it is. Well, yeah, no, no shit. shit. <laughs> no shit. Thank you for that, you know, eye-opening bit of, you know, information, Counselor Troy. Thank you for doing your job, you know. I mean, 
you start thinking maybe she isn't psychic because that's a, just like you know it's like the guys who like talk to your dead aunt or something I'm seeing somebody with the letter A in their name you know does anybody know anybody with the letter A in their name dude this and is he gonna was come like up. a carpenter or maybe a bus driver or maybe a school teacher or something like that this is going to come up definitely with the next episode that we do because there's a moment where an ordinary friggin' dude, just an ordinary guy, figures out the big deal and says to Picard, you know, they want this from you, but they're too arrogant to ask for it. And every time I see that scene, I'm like, yes. Why the hell didn't Counselor Troy yeah. say that? And, you know, you why know, was that not her line to say? These guys needed to read Dune because the the <laughs> Bene, Bene Gesserit witches in Dune that was their job. They would go and negotiating things, and they would sit in another room and and go into you know they would kneel down and get into their trance position and meditate and read people's minds and come back and go, no, he's going to screw you over on the spice, you know, and. That's what that's what Troy that would make Troy fascinating, you know, if she could really get down to nitty gritty and start going maybe into Spock mind meld. But no, she's too new newagey, touchy feely, and I I I know I pronounce newage like that because it, because properly it r- rhymes with sewage, but you know it's all those wishy washy you know stuff. That you can read off people if you're if you're paying attention to their body language, you know. You don't have to be. You could just be an empathic human who's who's sensitive to cues to say to know that some one of them's hiding some. You know, everybody's hiding something <laughs> on some level. You could say that about any situation. It's it's a it's just it's a it's useless. It, it doesn't. And you know, I mean. Maybe they didn't want her to do that because there would be too many stories that could be resolved by her just, you know, figuring out everybody's intentions. But But on the flip side, by having her never, ever offer anything useful at all, it it just, it, it really damages her character. It makes it to the point where I really... Why is she there? What yeah, is her I, character there for? She's not even really. She has a sort of thing with Riker, but they're not. It's not really developed that much for the most part. And it's yeah, yeah. Why is she there as eye candy? Well, I I don't know. I think she's kind of hot, but you know, it just makes me long for the moment where Picard would just ask for her advice. She'd say something stupid like she does in this one, and then he would just go, you know. You really just need to get off my bridge for like the whole rest of the friggin' episode, yeah, okay? Or, or go or, or or ask her for her advice and then just grab some random like, you know, cadet that's walking by with a clipboard and go, "Cadet, what do you what do you think about what they just said?" Uh, one of them's one of them's not telling you the truth, but I don't know which, you know, and say, "See, you know, fucking Junior here knows what's going on too and he was just <laughs> listening." Yes, we all know that. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you to read it because we know somebody's lying to us and we want it, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's, I blame the writing. I blame the, you know, whoever figured out her character. But, you know, what, what, my list is mostly just shit with exclamation marks on it because there's so <laughs> much cool shit in here. And read I don't even, some of them. 
I don't even mean as specific incidents. I mean just cool shit. Like, there's stop motion in this. There is actual frame-by-frame stop motion. Mm-hmm. And it's coupled with <laughs> rubber rubber monsters getting shoved in someone's mouth, you know. And, and the stop motion's cheesy, but goddamn, I love it. It reminds me of uh, Cat's Paw with the... With yes, the, with those guys at the end, there is judo, it, judo fighting, and judo kicking <laughs> in this one. You know, there is a there is an old fashioned. You know, it was funny because somebody mentioned you know the fight in this one, and I was like, "That's right, uh, um, Riker gets his ass kicked." You know, judo style with some judo kicks, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, Riker went down really easy. You know, Kirk wouldn't have gone down that easy, but." This guy takes out Worf in just about as little time as he took out Riker. So really, Riker did put up a pretty good fight if if a Klingon got knocked out so quickly. But yeah, awesome judo. Um, phaser dodging. There was some phaser. <laughs> there was Picard jumped out of the, leaned out of the way of a phaser in this. Uh, burnt out torso <laughs> and face <laughs> exploding. How often? I mean, that guy's torso was just. I mean, he. Uh, you don't see stuff you only see stuff like that on CSI nowadays it only gets right. away because it's crime drama that's some ser- that was some serious R-rated gore when rem- this episode first uh, was oh. aired in the UK on the BBC they cut that out mm-hmm. and then uh, recently when they showed it on uh, the Space Channel which is the, the science fiction network up in Canada they put a warning on it on the beginning, a viewer discretion warning. For yeah. It. So yeah, it's yeah. Pretty the intense. guys, the guy's face melts off to just eyeballs and exposed skull and flesh. And granted, he's taken over by these things, but it's still you see a human body destroyed by phaser fire, and not in the standard. Okay, the the human body dis, you know glows and then disappears. This is like. The phaser heats up the head till it explodes and mm-hmm. then just basically guts out his torso while he's sitting in a chair. And then when they finally hit the parasite in it, the parasite does the glow and disappear. But, you know, that was pretty, you know, I mean, they purposely went they purposely went for the throat on this one. And it was out of nowhere in the context of all the episodes that have come before it, except for maybe uh, Skin of Evil. As far as being maybe a little shocking or, or so, but you know, I would have liked to see these creatures come back maybe in a movie in one of the movies or something. I think that would have been uh, yeah exciting. That I don't think it was ever developed as to uh, what happened to you know what if they actually did come back for a little bit of dinner dinner you know, but uh, man, I just enjoyed the hell out of this episode. You know, no Wesley in this one either, if I recall right. Yeah, that was my first note. And Best another thing about one this episode, where they were, no Wesley. Another one, it's like two episodes in a row that they were heading for shore leave, and they're like all talking about the strip bars are going to go. But by the end of this one, they must be so fucking, you know, wound up from not, you know, getting teased out of their shore leave twice. <laughs> I can't say enough. It's it's just a riot. It's it's old school beat 'em up Star Trek, and I love it. I could, you know, I think they crapped out a little on Earth. You know, they did the whole like, "Hey, there's nobody around." Yes, it's a quiet night, and it was a quiet night because they were planning on, on, on getting Picard. That I love, 
I love the ridiculous dramatic scenes where the you know where all the you know the conspiracy is finally revealed and they're they're going to eat the maggots out of their cup you know and right Picard has you know and it's all set up for you know for Picard to realize oh my god you know they're they're eating the the, the worms and and all that and I love scenes like that they're pretty cheesy but I just love them I love I love shit like that it's it was. You know, they were seriously like, let's make a horror episode. Let's have some bug eating and some bodies blowing up. You know, chunks chunks of flesh fly. Blood and flesh and bone fly in this one. Weird, but awesome. So, thumbs up from Chris on, on mm-hmm. Conspiracy. I like this episode. I like this episode a lot, and I agree. I, I think that uh, I think they should have played it out. You know, with with having some sort of payoff to the to the way this one ends, um, but yeah, I really like it. And I mean, yeah, it's ballsy. I mean, to, to have a human head explode on a show that you know very visceral too. Yeah, been pretty tame, and and arguably, you know, that that young kids could sit down and watch. Suddenly, you're going to throw them a curveball with having a, a head explode. That's yeah, that's pretty wild. I remember actually like going, did I just see that? It was, you know, did I just see that on TV? <laughs> right. Really, that was Star Trek. Holy shit. Best thing, though, about this episode, no Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Worst thing about this episode, though, um, there is one moment in it that is just absolutely horribly, horribly cringeworthy where Data's talking to the computer and doing his standard over, you know, over explaining something. And the computer actually cuts him off and says, thank you, sir. I comprehend. I know it was supposed to be cute and all. It's it's horrible. It's a terrible scene. I don't scene. think the computer would get impatient, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, it's. I didn't like that part at all. I'd like to see that, that cut out of the episode. I like that he was talking to himself, that he caught himself talking to himself. That was really neat, you know. I thought. I like how which, they... Which part was that where he was talking to himself? It was in the same one. He was he, he was <clears throat> going through all the information of the Starfleet orders, and he was just going, you know, fascinating. This is fascinating, you know. And the computer was like, what was your request? And he was oh, like... Oh, that's right, yeah. that's how he said... He was like, I wasn't making a request. I was talking to myself. And then he realized, holy shit, I've never... You know, I was talking to myself, and I didn't know I was doing it. And then he start, and then he starts explaining it to himself and to the computer at the same time, and then she cuts him off, and then he, and then he starts talking to himself again. That's which right. Was, which was, it was just a nice little character moment with with Data, where his his personality is growing, you know, as as per his routine or, or his programming or whatever, you know, the that he's programmed to pick things up. He's actually picking things up, and you're seeing them getting added into his his vocabulary as the show goes on you know something it's it's one of those things that right now we take for granted but at this point in star trek there wasn't that continuing story right you know you never had kirk after city on the edge of forever going on in books and stuff yes because they're fan written and stuff like that but in the show you never had him going Ah, I still miss Edith Keeler. You know, she was the love right. of my life. It was—it's like a James Bond movie. There, everything that happened in the last episode is gone, and we start out in the new episode. 
Right. And in in next generation, you get to see all the characters build and get have things change with their lives and their situation and stuff, which was really new at the time. It was a it was a new, you know, um, little little quirk to Star Trek that wasn't there before. Well, and I, I, and I like how they did it for the most part. Yeah, me too. I, and I would venture that that's that that lends a lot towards you know the people that maintain that uh, Next Gen is is a superior show to the original. Is things like that is as great as the original one is. You know, it, it does lack. They didn't that, make shows like that, and when they right, did exactly. make shows like that, it was something like The Prisoner. You know, right. that was a limited. It was going to begin in middle and end, and it was, a, and that was, a, and that stuff was a fluke. You know, the the way you made TV in that day was episodic and self-contained. You know, and I, I would argue that even though the original didn't necessarily build on itself over time and what, we still got a lot of character stuff. You know, if if you really watch the the series and pay attention to it there there's a lot of will uh, world building and a lot of character building going on well, there that's that's the thing is it's, it's referred to it, it sets up the basis for all the rest of the star treks too you know it sets mm-hmm. it builds the world it, it like you said it's world building it builds the universe of star trek and then once that world's built by Star Trek The Next Generation, you can follow people living in it more than... Right. I'm sure they didn't... That wasn't how it was planned out, but that's just sort of... And, you know, I think... I think in the 70s and the 80s, viewers burned out, you know... But it, by the time period when The Incredible Hulk, The Dukes of Hazard, that 80s period when we were kids, every TV show, except for the soap o- Dallas and Vegas-type soap opera ones were you know a self-contained unit and i think that formula got old and once the 80s you know once like stuff like hill street blues started coming out then people were like oh okay this is this is awesome or 30 something where they would where they would do a linear story i think that just supplanted that that you know episodic self-contained method and i I don't necessarily I don't necessarily miss it at all, you know. It makes for be- it does make for more dramatic, more realistic, more gratifying ultimately TV, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff was more entertaining to us, but we were kids then, you know. It must have drove adults nuts. I you know, like watching the Incredible Hulk week after week must have driven my parents nuts. But they had to watch it cuz I wasn't going to move away from the tv set for either of those shows well yeah i think any of those shows where you know at the end of the day you know at the end of the episode it didn't really matter because next week he's going to get into basically the same scenario all over again uh, you, you know can, just you the can, names you, are changed to protect the innocent yeah, you, that's well, about you can, it you know you can you can measure the story beats down to the minute to the commercial break right you know and in, in the incredible hulk you knew there was going to be two hulk outs there was going to be one Hulk out where where all of a sudden he come, he gets beat up, he comes out of nowhere, he he rips everything up and then runs away and everybody goes, "What the hell was that?" And then there was going to be another Hulk out at the end where the Hulk out resolves the story and finishes off the bad guy every time. 
Right. You knew you knew when it was going to happen. Wonder Woman played out like that too, you know. Yep. And uh, it was great for kids because that sort of repetition is, yeah, people like that repetition. But I think, yeah, it grew stale. stale it did. That's stale. that's why I like you know when when shows you know like what next gen's gonna you know we're gonna see this. You know, over time, and it develops slowly, but eventually, it does develop to a point where, you know, storylines. There are storylines, and and there's elements where, you know, we actually get, you know, one one of my favorite episodes of the entire series is an episode called Family, and a large portion of that episode is concerned with Picard dealing with the ramifications of a horrible experience he had just gone through yeah, trauma yeah post- and I, I you know i'm envious of the fact that next gen got to do that and the original star trek never did because can you imagine an episode yeah, you know like if the next episode had to been after- like a dozen kirk episodes where they were just like okay kirk you, are you okay you better uh, work this right. one off you know I mean, oh, can you, you imagine you just... an episode that was like, you know, dealing with the ramifications of City on the Edge of Forever or the one with Miramonte? Miramonte, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly the one I was thinking about, you know, where he lived a whole different life and his mate died and, you know, he was Kirok. <laughs> I am Kirok. Yeah. But. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, but. I don't know. Maybe Shatner. All it took was the, the next lady to for him to or, or Kirk to to slough, to to you know. Maybe he just had to walk it off, you know. Whereas Picard has to go to therapy. He has to go visit Lucy at the uh, at the five cent booth <laughs> at the end of every episode. Back to this one real quick. I do have a, a just a few notes on this one. Um, one of the things that I really like about this, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more of, is uh, the one captain they inter- inter- uh, introduced in this one, the black woman, uh, Trila Scott. And I remember when Star Trek V came out and had the little interplay between um, Scotty and Uhura. I remember thinking, wow, you know, could this tie in somehow or other to Trila, uh, Trila Scott? Which, you know, it's to my, the best of my knowledge, there's never been any, you know, oh, development on that. Possibly of Scott yeah. in, in, uh, or her. She seemed yeah. to be an interesting character, except, you know, she was possessed at the end, so you never would see her after, you know, she was yeah. doomed to die in this one. But, um, and you don't know if she's possessed when, you know, they meet Picard at the beginning, but, yeah, the the she seems to be in it. all those all those captains there. See that you know you only see them in that one scene, but they all seem to be interesting characters, and they all portray them differently with very little dialogue or you know you get a you you get when when Picard says you know basically we got the cream of the crop here, right? I'd already sort of intuited that. I'd already sort of intuited that they were all really at the at the kind of the top of the game members of the of the thing and the and you know um and Michael Berriman come on how awesome is that man <laughs> with a seam right down his face awesome 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 you know just a total nod towards 
horror movies. You know, if if there was any doubt that this is the horror episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, it it totally disappeared. I forgot that he was in. I was just like, yes, I love freaky looking character actors. And he's got those cockeyed Marty Feldman eyes. Oh, it's awesome. And he and he acts like kind of an asshole, but you get the feeling that it's sort of like the alien, his alien demeanor more than right, him yeah. being an actual prick. But I they love use, that. They use a little bit too much uh, Star Trek IV stock footage of uh, Starfleet headquarters in this, and that's going to get really old because to my... To my recollection, it seems like they use that same that footage a whole lot. lot. Yeah. yeah, I think we're going to see much more of that later on. I I could be wrong, but I think this is the first one that has shown Earth, right? Since we've since we yeah, I'm trying to think if in the first one it had a couple. It, it, wasn't there a shot of San Francisco in the first one? Didn't it start out? I don't think so, because they were already well on their way and almost to the outpost in that one, weren't they? Well, I, I seem to remember at some point seeing that map painting of the of the sort of like it's sort of like a it looks like a subway uh, stop or, you know, a, oh from the motion picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in, in, in that and it, it, at one point, maybe one of the characters at the very beginning was loading up in San Francisco or something and then. Because they sort of, it sort of started as a, everybody was sort of split up, you know, some were on the Enterprise and some were getting picked up. But I, I, I don't know. We'll have to go and uh, somebody will be able to, well, we will have to go look. Somebody will be able to tell us. Somebody will. I don't remember. I don't think so. But although that. I was trying I to, I almost put the note scene, down that we didn't, hadn't been to Earth before, but I'm not sure enough to yeah. claim that. I think that scene you're talking about from the motion picture with like the space you know, subway station. I think that is used in next gen at some point. I just don't, I don't think it's in that episode. San Francisco. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I think it's probably supposed to be Starfleet headquarters or whatever, but I don't, I don't think it's that episode, but I could be wrong, but I've seen that episode a lot of times. I don't think it is that episode, but, uh, yeah, a lot of that footage from uh, from the first movie does get reused, especially the you know outside Starfleet headquarters stuff. Actually, that's from Star Trek Four, though, not from Star Trek the Motion Picture. The the part I'm talking about, it's like where it shows like the round like Starfleet building and yeah. all that. It's like the aliens milling around. That's from Star Trek Four. Um, I like the fight scenes that you were talking about, although that you know it it really makes Worf look like a pussy because he gets just I mean, one clout and he's down, whereas Riker takes, like, kicks to the head and the face and thrown up against the wall and smashed into a table and everything He might else. have been toying he with Riker a little more. That could be. That could definitely be. I had the same note about dodging phaser fire, which is funny because, you know, in the last episode, the last Star Trek one we did, the classic one, I talked, you know, quite a bit about um, the Star Trek exhibit I went to at the Kennedy Space Center. And they had these, you know, like little interesting things on the wall that you could read, you know, trivia, you know, different trivia things and stuff like that. One of the things they were talking about was the times where Star Trek got it right with science stuff. And then the times that Star Trek, like, you know, it's really got it wrong, really got it wrong. Just total, you know, uh, 
the speed of light and such Fancy. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the things they definitely talked about was that, you know, if if a phaser really was a light beam, then they should not be able to just dodge out of the way of phaser. You shouldn't fire. be able okay, to see the beginning and end of it. It should just right. like light up. It should yeah. be a line that lights up like a like a laser. We know what a right. laser looks like, so well, that was another thing they had mentioned that I never, ever thought about before is that actually you shouldn't be able to see the laser uh, beam because if you ever see like, you know, you ever been at the movies and some asshole? Yeah, you need you need point? dust or smoke in the air. You need yeah. a medium in the air to see the light in there. But I'm guessing that phaser fire isn't pure light. It might be some sort of plasma maybe yeah you know that glows like neon or something like that it's it's yeah, yeah. and it would just it would just be no fun it, but actually in star trek there have been weapons that didn't that did nothing but make a noise and then make people fall down that's true which is more realistic <laughs> i like that uh you know, much like a, an old school Star Trek episode where Kirk would, you know, say something like, you know, we mean you no harm and then belt somebody or usually belt them first and then tell them <laughs> we, mean, we mean you no harm. I love that the last thing Remick says before they blow his head off is that we seek peaceful coexistence and then they phaser him and blow his head off. I th- thought, thought that was great. Yeah, but he smiles in a way that just means, yeah, we'll coexist as long as you're the meat part of our, you know, right. we can use your body <laughs> for meat, you know. It was it was pure, just like calculated evil. That really is cool, though. I love the, uh, I love the whole phasering, you know, because it's not, like you say, it's not just the head. Then his whole, like, torso is melted and open into his rib cage. It's, it's pretty gruesome stuff. For yeah, t- well, you also see Beverly take down, um, what's his name? Quint? Quint. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you get, and, and she's just wailing him with that phaser on stun. You know, she's just holding it on him. And that's a really neat scene, too. She just yeah. keeps, you know, just pressing him down until he finally goes down and that was really neat his the actor did a really good job of leaning into it and you know doing a little Shatner reaction to it he didn't like take his fists and like put his arms up in the air and go but you know he looked like he was fight. he looked like he was fighting against a phaser beam and that was really cool I can't I can't say enough good things about this episode it's just filled with cool elements and you know, just every few minutes there was something, you know, stop motion. Come on. Stop motion critters. Even they though do. it was really lame. Oh, they were really jerky and they they look very stiff. I like that stuff, though. It, they look, to me, that looks actually creepier than if it was a supremely realistic looking crawl CG up the leg thing. and all that. It actually looks creepier to me when it's all herky jerky stop motion like that. I, don't I, know I thought it looked creepiest sitting in its box waiting and just sort of glowing blue in the box. like, And it looked like a tick, you know. Yeah, and it, it it looked like just like a big sort of crustacean tick, and you never get to see like how it infects somebody, but you get the idea that it probably crawls in through their mouth like it does with Remick, right? And then and oh, the scene where he's talking to him and his and his neck is just swimming with the little one, the escaped ones that have all like climbed back into his mouth, and his neck is bulging out. 
awesome. Awesome. <laughs> this episode, however, it does commit the cardinal sin of the kitty Uh-oh. show, which is that it has to tell you that everybody's okay at the end of it because after they kill yes. the mother, it says, "Oh, you know, by the way, everybody that was infected with these things, you know, they're they're all going to be fine now because you know none of the parasites could survive without the mommy." And it's like, what? But before they said, what? "No, you can't remove it without." Right. Without, yeah. With, so so you'd yeah. still have to remove it. It would you'd you'd have to remove its dead corpse from inside their spinal cord, or, or else it would rot there and cause necro- necropsy. So, right. you, you know, like a like a bee sting or something like well, that. Well, I imagine they they crawled out like like this. You know, the the seti eels. You know, crawled out and went off to die somewhere. In the last moment of of life or something. But still, I mean. Come on, why why is that necessary that they, you know, that anybody who was infected just because, you know, it, it's like vampire syndrome. Okay, you killed the head vampire, so now all the half vampires return well, to life. At this Come point on. in the show, they were killing people left and right. They killed off, like, the, basically a good chunk of the hierarchy of Starfleet is dead by the end of this show. Right. You know, I mean, Starfleet is totally, A, it's been restructured by these guys. And then all the best and the brightest, except for Picard and and um, Quinn, at the end are, you know, are dead. And Quinn isn't like a character that we really care about too much. You know, if he lives or right. dies, yeah, they could have definitely, uh, you know, in the context of this, had him die, and it wouldn't have been a shocker or anything, especially compared to Remick getting blown up. You know, but yeah, that was a little cheat. You know. It, and they do the like he's all right, and you see him standing there, like sitting there, like a little tired, but none the worse for the wear, and nodding, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I but do. Uh, I like this one though, and and this is one of the rare instances where I feel like an ex- a, a next gen episode actually ended feeling very much like a classic episode because I used to love the end to a lot of classic Star Trek episodes, you know, say like Charlie X is a perfect example where it had kind of a melancholy ending and you would get that and, you know, with yeah. the music and everything. <laughs> it was really creepy. This does something very much like that where, you know, we see the Enterprise just flying off and we see the stars and everything and, you know, that that code or whatever that the aliens were sending to their brethren out in yes, space. You can just hear it sort of, of echoing. Yeah, yeah. And it's very much, an, you know... A, like a, a whale call record. or something. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I like that because it really was a callback to some of those creepy-ass endings of the original series. I, I, I really enjoyed that because we don't get very many in this. It, they usually... End very much on you know oh data you know exactly that should be our code from now on is it a or is it a yep that's that's pretty much all I got on that one awesome 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 go watch it if you haven't watched it already it's good fun. I'm assuming most people have probably watched most episodes of The Next Generation that are listening to this like over and over again. <laughs> I hope the if next- there's any if there's any people who are just who are actually 
following through Star Trek The Next Generation for the first time, you know, write into us at twotruefreaks at gmail.com and and tell us about that. I'd be really curious to see what it's like, you know, 20-some years later. You know the perspective of wa- of watching them for the first time, if and 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 it'll all, I think it'll also depend on the age of the person watching it and stuff too. I'd just be fa- fascinated with. I, I would too. I really would because you know what? Seriously, I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating or making this up. I get emails and you PMs mean you make stuff up all the show? time oh, shit. about people writing to us saying you know hey you know you turned me on to you know the walking dead or marvel star wars or you know a lot of the stuff that we cover on a regular basis i I do i get messages all the time from people saying you know i'm now following this because you recommended it so i would love to know if there actually is anybody out there that we have actually turned on to um, next gen. I know there is. Or even classic. I know there is for classic yeah. Star Trek. I, classic, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have definitely gotten people saying, you know, I grew up watching Next Gen, thought Classic Trek was, you know, the the crazy old uncle. Went back and started watching it because you're covering it, and I love it's it. It's the crazy so, old uncle, but you know what? After a while, you start realizing the crazy old uncle is kind of cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're a little kid, the crazy old uncle is a crazy old uncle. But like, as you get older, you start understanding that the crazy old uncle might have something going for him. You know, mm-hmm. very much so. Well, next crazy time, crazy old Uncle Kirk. <laughs> next time around, <laughs> seriously, I again not making this up. One of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Next time, we got uh, the neutral zone last episode of season one of next gen and then we'll have a little uh we'll have a little retrospective we'll we'll take a good hard long look back at uh the uh season the first one season and then we'll look forward to uh moving forward into the next season but yeah i'm, I'm and, really looking forward to next time and just as a little warning for everybody it's not going to be in october this is going to be the next the next star trek monthly monday yeah will be in um, November. November because yeah. next month is Return of the Jedi Month. I'm glad you remembered that. I totally forgot about that, and I think we forgot to mention that. It, it's uh, okay because <laughs> earlier I was thinking this month was Return of the Jedi Month and telling everybody <laughs> that, like, you know, a couple weeks ago. We I don't. remember. I remember I cited it very authoritatively, and then someone was like, and then, like, Mike Bailey was like, I thought that was November, and you're like, yeah, we're not dealing with a well mind here. <laughs> that's right. And I'm like, who's he uh, talking about? Right. Oh, it's me. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. That makes sense. <laughs> Lastly, folks, I want to put out a quick uh, appeal out there that, uh, you know, if you dig our show, if you're a regular listener, if you're a casual listener, if you hate the goddamn show, I don't care. I just want you to mention us on the uh, social networking site of your choice, you know, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or that Google thing or anything, you know, any anything where you communicate with other folks and let them know, like, you know, when you're eating a cheeseburger or taking a shit or picking your nose or... Which is not even you know, an exaggeration. You know you're all doing all of that stuff. <laughs> anything, you know, where, where you're constantly updating people on the, on the little mundane goings-on in your life, 
When you're listening to this show or any episode of Two True Freaks or any of our shows that we put out on the uh, com, you know, on our on our website, please just just a quick little thing, you know. Hey, I'm listening to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 34, you know, from Two yeah. True Freaks. And or- don't be shy to put up whatever other because po- I'm always interested. With that's that's a good way. That's a that's a way I've discovered a lot of podcasts as somebody yep. said i'm listening to this so by all means not just two true freaks i know that you guys know that anyway but you know i know that yeah. there's a temptation just to focus in on two true freaks but you guys you got to give some of the other podcasts a chance every once in a while in between ruthlessly promoting two <laughs> true freaks and buying multiple t-shirts and donating all your comics books and <laughs> sci-fi related merchandise to the two true freaks charity fund which is one of the greatest charities because most charities you know you give them five bucks but they're trying to help 500 little kids and stuff or 5,000 little kids your five bucks doesn't go very far this charity is only helping two people two deprived little boys two sad little boys who don't have enough junk <laughs> they have a lot of junk, but they don't have enough junk. Don't and isn't that really the saddest thing of all? And and we're recording this on Labor Day, so a lot of us out there are, are think, thinking of Jerry Lewis right now and Jerry's kids. I'm not. So so you can think of these as Petey's kids. <laughs> <laughs> so donate all your your extras sci-fi related merchandise to Petey's kids care of two true freaks and we'll make sure that they get evenly distributed to to, to both of Petey's kids <laughs> whose names are being withheld um, for by their own personal um, preference <laughs> just walked all over my my public service announcement or whatever the hell oh I'm my, sorry my, I didn't know plea. it was co- you gotta tell me it's coming man my my plea but no seriously though i mean if you if you want to know how you can help us out short of as chris says <laughs> sending us money or, or swag or anything you know just simply spreading the word because you know word of mouth is still i want that more than than money or yeah. swag actually yeah, i would prefer that's that still to the money best swag. way yeah definitely the best way to uh to help us out and spread the word about the show is just uh just get the word out there. Let people know that you're listening. Let people know that we exist. You're talking to uh, you know your fellow Star Trek fans or some some jerk on the bus ride to work's giving you a hard time because you're a Star Trek nerd or whatever. You know, turn them send on him to two us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send them. Send them to us. He'll show up on the forum and be a riot. Then he can be a jerk on the forum. <laughs> 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 we'll deal with him just like we deal with him on the bus, man. Vulcan neck pinch. <laughs> Vulcan death grip. Yes, exactly. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I'll get you, you bastards. Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com? and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something well now how about this instead of going to amazon.com go to two true freaks.libson.com 
and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it, which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.